delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands which I love that I may meditate on your Hello and welcome back to the Stone Pillar Podcast. I am your host, Dane Sampson, and we will be exploring the teaching ministry of South Paris Baptist Church. Sounds good. And I'm Brian Wilbur. I uh, just want to introduce uh, this episode by j- just say- saying something about the, the nature of this podcast. Uh, my hope is that our discussion on the podcast both flows out of and feeds into the the conversation and the ministry of our church family. And, ju- you know, just just this past Sunday, I, uh, I preached a, a message that stemmed from Genesis chapter 31. And actually, if you listened to episode two of the podcast, um, toward the end of episode two, we spent about uh, I spent about nine minutes uh, drawing out a pastoral application from Genesis 31 that I, that, I, that I hadn't discussed in the sermon from a few weeks ago. And I thought, this, this, is, this is worth uh, developing a little bit more and sharing uh, with the whole congregation on Sunday morning. So this past Sunday, that, that nine-minute pastoral reflection from episode two of the podcast actually turned into a 25-minute sermon to the, the whole congregation. So... You know, so just want this, uh, you know, in- interaction with what's going on uh, in our in our church family, and 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 that's further uh, illustrated in the topic for today because uh, we actually got a question from a listener in New York. Uh, I think most of our listeners are in Maine, but uh, we have a listener, at least one listener. Um, in New York. And uh, before we get to her, her comment and question to us, I kind of want to give a little bit of background to this um, because it actually relates to some other parts of, of congregational life. Uh, recent, recently in, in Monday school, I, 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 I was walking through the Ten Commandments. And uh, I've been really uh, influenced by, of course, the New Testament in, in understanding that the the Ten Commandments are really um, showing us what love looks like practically, because Jesus said that you know all the law and the prophets hang on the two love commands to love the Lord and to love our neighbor. And so, and um, uh, some time ago, I actually uh, took some time to walk through the Ten Commandments with with my family, with, with my children, and I wanted them to understand the Ten Commandments in terms of justice, because justice and social justice or so-called social justice, um, justice is very misunderstood in our day and age. And I want, I want my children to understand that justice is, is really about uh, what you owe to other people. Mm-hmm. God and other human beings. J- 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 you know, justice is 
giving to others what is due them in accordance with the word of God. Mm. And so I was explaining the Ten Commandments to them along those lines that, you know, God, God has an exclusive right to our ultimate loyalty and uh, God, God has a right to be worshipped on his terms and God has a right to be faithfully represented by us in word and deed and God is sovereign over our time and then you know our, 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 our parents um, have a right to our honor and our neighbors have a right uh, to uh, you know to, 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 to security in life and security in marriage and security in their possessions and security and their reputation. Yeah, you, um, you had framed this like a, a bill of rights. Yes. I and, thought that and, was really awesome. Yes, and, and that itself was, that itself was in, 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 that particularly was inspired by uh, one of my seminary professors, Dr. Daniel Block, who, who made the point that unlike a modern bill of rights, the, the, if you understand the Ten Commandments as a bill of rights, it's actually telling us the rights of the next person, it, it, it's mm. it's not, not not my rights. It's 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 God's rights, and uh, and then the rights of my neighbor. So 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 I did that with with my children some time ago, and then more recently talked about that in Monday school, and then I turned what I did in Monday school into a midweek thought. Mm-hmm. And our listener friend Mary in New York is on my email list for my midweek thoughts. So that's how so that's how it got to her. And then, uh, and then she wrote us in with a with a with a comment and a kind of a question weaved into it. And so, Dane's going to share what Mary wrote, and we'll we'll let that kind of set the stage for the conversation. All right. So this is from Mary in New York. She writes, "I sat up and took notice because a transcript mentions the Ten Commandments. I did read this." Less than a week after I had posted an article myself on the Ten Commandments on the website, the Proverbs 120column.com. I think reading my article would give you thought to pause, a good material for you to discuss amongst yourselves and your group. As in confirmation from the Lord, just after posting my article and just after reading yours, I hear Robert Jeffress. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but uh, Robert Jeffress talking on the Ten Commandments and about his new book called The Ten. I definitely think the Lord wants them brought to the forefront in society right now. The point I make in my article is why do the Ten Commandments look strange in a classroom or a courtroom? I answer this by saying that they look strange anywhere nowadays because they have not been posted predominantly in churches since I can remember when. My question, are the Ten Commandments easily visible on a wall in our churches for all who enter to see, and not just relegated to a fourth grade religion class? Deuteronomy does tell us to write them on our foreheads, tie them on our wrists, and post them on the doorposts, my paraphrase, uh, um, Mary's paraphrase, and yet they are seldom posted on the doorposts of our churches in this country. Do you agree? Dennis Prager is also addressing the issue of the Ten Commandments right now, and probably has been for a year or two. It would be interesting to interview people from different churches or just visit different churches to see if the Ten Commandments can be easily seen by all who enter. I offer this not as a criticism, but as food for thought and to respond to your invitation to ask questions. Thank you very much for that, Mary. Ah, I think that's an excellent question. is the church itself guilty of forgetting or ignoring the Ten Commandments 
And if so, why? That is, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. And, and of course, our experience, Mary's experience, again, it's very anecdotal because it's not as if we've, we, we've, we've done a large study of, of what goes on in every church or every so-called church because there, you know, there's, there, there's churches that, though far from perfect, there's churches that are attempting to honor the Word of God and to honor the Lord Jesus with integrity and with faithfulness to, you know, the whole teaching of Scripture. And then there's, then there's so-called churches that are just way off the rails and they really shouldn't even, even bear that name, but unfortunately they do. They do bear the name Christian or they do bear the name church, even though uh, they're, uh, they're not uh, really seriously attempting to uh, follow Jesus according to the word. But as far as the question goes, is the, is the, let's say, is, is, the, is the evangelical, Bible-believing, conservative-oriented, uh, are such churches uh, guilty or sometimes guilty of neglecting or forgetting the Ten Commandments, uh, along with uh, God's, God's commandments in general, God, God's law in general? And I would say, yes, often, um, in, in, my, in my experience, often there, there is a a neglect um, of, uh, of, of, of God's commands. And the question is, why is that? And I'm sure there are many reasons for that, but there's a, there's a few things that come to my mind as, as far as uh, why that would be the case. Number one, I think that uh, in our 21st century day and age that, that, that uh, often people want something other than words. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a huge problem because, I, I mean, that's a huge problem in terms of being a faithful image bearer of God because God's intention is for his relationship to us to be mediated through words, through his authoritative revelation of himself, his character, and his ways in Holy Scripture. And so if you, if you uh, treat words lightly, you know, or at least if you treat careful words lightly, and you either want careless words or, 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 or you, you simply want, you, you want an experience, mm-hmm. you want a feeling, mm-hmm. you want an event, uh, you want something dramatic, uh, you, you know, but you, you, you don't want to, you don't want to sit down and meditate carefully and consistently and honestly on the words of God, then you're, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to dismiss all kinds of words that God has given us in the Bible, not just the, not just the commands. But I think that, I think that's one, one reason why uh, God's word in general and his commandments in particular are, are neglected. A second reason is, is, the, uh, is, the, is the perversion of grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, it, it's not uncommon in some evangelical circles where grace gets reduced down to forgiveness. And, and, and you kind of... So, 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 so 
you interact with God's commandments and you, and you think to yourself, well, I, I don't measure up. I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, here's yet another way in which I fail. But thank God for his grace that forgives me and now I can go on my way. Now, don't misunderstand me, like God's forgiveness and mercy and grace for sinners is, is, a, is a remarkable and wonderful thing. But God's grace is not given to us for the sole purpose of forgiving us. God's grace forgives and transforms. Uh, you know, uh, God, God's grace um, brings about peace with God uh, through the blood of Christ, but then it also, that, 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 that same grace, uh, uh, you know, regenerates and transforms and renews and empowers us to live holy lives. And in fact, part of the, you know, part of the promise of the new covenant that was given in the Old Testament is that, is that, um, you know, God's law would be written on our hearts Mm -hmm. and that uh, we would get a new heart and that the Holy Spirit would dwell within us so that we would actually walk in God's ways. In fact, the Great Commission, the Great Commission doesn't stop at, at, evangelism and um, baptism. Mm-hmm. You know, it, do, it, does, it doesn't stop there. It goes on to teaching them to observe, keep, do, obey all that I have commanded you. And, uh, and you know, and uh, J- Jesus's commands in the New Testament and the commands that he gave through the apostles and the New Testament writers, um, th- those commands are coextensive with the commands of the Old Testament. This is the same, this is the same God, same, same character, uh, same overall plan for our lives. So, but I think that's a second reason why God's commandments get neglected is because we, we've, we've truncated the Christian life and we've reduced it down to forgiveness. And we forget that, no, 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 it's not just about forgiveness, it's about a, a transformed life mm-hmm. that ought to be lived in the light of God's word and the light of God's commands. A um, now related to that, so I'm going to give I'm going to give a third reason why I think God's commandments are sometimes neglected by those who should know better. Um, a third reason is there's often uh, 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 among some evangelical-minded uh, believers, there, there's a there's an aversion to anything that smacks of rules mm-hmm. or standards mm-hmm. or norms. And I mean, I can understand I can understand that aversion to some degree, but I, at the end of the day, I think it's really wrongheaded. I mean, of course, at the, yeah, cr- Christianity is not mainly rules. Uh, it's not mainly just a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, that's not what it is mainly. At, at, the, at the heart of biblical faith is being reconciled to God, being in fellowship with God and walking with him. It, it, it's, 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 it's relationship. And, you know, like, like I already said earlier, uh, the greatest command is to love the Lord our God with, with our whole being. And, and, and then the second most important commandment is to love our neighbors in the same way that we love ourselves. 
So, so yes, but relationships are at the heart of it, but we shouldn't pit relationships against commands because God's commands are actually designed to, to lead us into and sustain us in healthy relationships, fellowship with the Lord and fellowship with one another. And um, so I, I, really, I really think that, that people need to get rid of their aversion to rules and standards and norms because there is a sovereign God who loves us and who stands over us and who demands our loyalty and our obedience from the heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we ought to understand that, that, that walking with him is just as the hymn says, we're, 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 we're to walk with him in the light of his word, in the light of his promises, in the light of his commands, um, and, and, and so forth. So I think I could go on, I mean, probably if I, if I kept thinking about it, but I think those are three significant reasons why, uh, why the Ten Commandments specifically and why God's word in general and the standards that it gives are often neglected. What say you? Well, I think in response to that, um, relationships have boundaries. Yes, that's, like that's healthy a good way of relationships it. have boundaries. Why can't God, in relationship, establish boundaries for that relationship? Right, that's a good way of putting it. And, and also, these are He is our Father. You know, our Father who is in heaven. He is our Father, and as our Father, He has rules for His children. Um, and I, you, do you have rules for your children? I, I do. I have rules for my children. <laughs> and, it, and the discipline of a father for violating those rules is a boundary that is for the benefit of that child. So ultimately, his laws and his commands, as harsh as the word command sounds in our ears, uh, it is for our ultimate good in the fellowship of that family. Um, and it it's part of, so the commands, you know, have no other gods beside me, have, have no other gods, have no other gods beside me, um, and no other gods against my face, uh, and do not take my name in vain. Mm-hmm. Don't take my family name and misrepresent it. Mm-hmm. Carry on and represent the family of the kingdom with honor and integrity. And this is how you do that. How, how wonderful and glorious it is that this, this God has chosen to communicate to us, not just what is right, what is right, but also how to get right mm-hmm. and also how to stay right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And to maintain that relationship on our, on our end. That is part of not taking his name in vain and being part of that family. I like that, the, your reference to the family name, and it, and it, it, and it goes right along with the Great Commission. Um, before the, before the, the teaching part of it, right, where Jesus says to teach them, every, you know, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, uh, but, the, but the, the believer is baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so in a very real and practical sense, the one who has been baptized bears 
the name of the triune God, mm-hmm. bears the name of Christ. And, and, and now uh, we're restored to that image-bearing purpose from Genesis, you know, Genesis chapter 1, and now we're supposed to image forth the, the character of God, mm-hmm. the name of God, the ways of God. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a high calling and we have to receive God's standards as the authoritative uh, uh, boundaries mm-hmm. for our life. Yeah. Yeah. It, how, I think it's just glorious that he teaches us how to do this and demonstrates it through his own life, explains it. There's like, for example, you, you can't, se- I don't think you can separate the law from grace. I think that they are intricately connected because. In order to understand the magnitude of grace, you have to understand the magnitude of how much of a violator of his law I am. Mm-hmm. And that, that creates a, a, a perception of how significant his grace is in my life because like, I, I understand now how much separation there is between me and what is holy. Um, now grace can come in because I can, I can appreciate my need for grace. And if it's just grace without a need for grace, and it's really kind of deflated the purpose of grace. And and, the, and 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 that grace is not coming in to uh, make it okay for you to continue to be in violation no, of right. the standards yeah, that required the grace in the first place. Right. Um, yes, our, our you know our we we still we we still fail. We still have to battle with indwelling sin. But the the point is that grace comes in and. Uh, you know, to use your terminology there, makes you right with God. And now by his Holy Spirit, he's empowering you to, to stay right as you are increasingly conformed to the character of Christ. And you're increasingly obedient to the Lord from the heart. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a love response. So yeah. let, me, let, me, uh, let me jump in here and, and uh, g- get to a second question. And by the way, uh, uh, Mary, who asked the question, we are going to talk a little bit about the, the whole issue of posting the Ten Commandments and, and the, uh, you know, making them visual. Uh, we're going to get to that. Um, but this is kind of some foundational stuff first. Um, so the question I want to ask you is, how should the New Testament believer view the law? I mean, and just to put it in terms of some, some polarities, you know, should, should we view the law negatively or Positively, should we should we view the law as obsolete and irrelevant, or something that is important and 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 vital? Should we uh, view the law as a burden, as a troubling burden, or as a tremendous privilege? How should we view the law? Uh, I think we should probably define what we mean by law, um, because the law could be the Torah, first five books of the Bible. It could be Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It can be also the Book of the Covenant, or it could be the Ten Commandments. Um, so the the law can, can be you know can be used for any of these various portions of Scripture. But I think I would back up and say, all Scripture is breathed by God. So is God's words? Are they obsolete? Are God's words good? Are they negative? God's words are, even if they sting, his words are good. Even if it is hard to endure, 
the truth of his words, his word is still good. I don't get to change his words because I don't like them. The goodness of his words doesn't change whether I like them or not. They stand independent of my preferences. Um, so these are God's words, and as God's words, they are good. And as God's words, I would say, I would even take a step further and say they're timeless. Mm -hmm. So they can never be obsolete in the way I would think of being obsolete. Like they, they don't get dusty and outdated. Um, they, there are, so like in the book of Leviticus, there's like, uh, we have like 613 mitzvot. These are the laws of, of, of the Jews. And out of those laws, about half of them pertain to the temple and the tabernacle and the ceremonial procession, and all the offerings and sacrifices in the temple. We don't, those laws obviously are no longer, those, you, you could say they are obsolete in the sense that we don't need a temple. The church is the temple. Um, corporately and individually, we are bearers of the indwelling spirit. Um, we don't have a sacrificial system. The sacrificial system is done because Christ was the final sacrifice. So in, in that sense, those elements of keeping the temple, we don't have, there's no need for that anymore. So those have slipped into history. However, the elements of the law are still eternal in the sense that we have a moral law that does not expire, that is found in the Old, Old Testament. Um, I, I think let's, let's, let's go to a verse. Help me out here. Hey, can, 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 I, can I jump in here and just... And Absolutely, just, yeah. Uh, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate you going to... Uh, you know Paul's words about how all Scripture is 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 breathed up by God because because you you really you really need to start there like we ought to hold all of God's words in very high regard every single one of them so you you mentioned uh, you mentioned like the the temple system the the sacrificial system w would it be fair to say um, that while the temple system itself and the sacrificial system itself is obsolete in the sense that um, it was pointing to Christ, Christ has come and Christ has fulfilled it. But the, the God's words about the temple system and about the sacrificial system, those words are not obsolete. Because right. because they no. because they still they still help to show us and shed light on mm -hmm. what Christ accomplished when He came. Is that is that a, is that a fair? Yeah, abs absolutely. I think that's very well articulated. Uh, like we need these we need these words because they are communicating to us the significance of what Christ's sacrifice meant, and and without them we lose a lot of an understanding of how serious His sacrifice was. And what that does for us as individuals and, and as a nation of believers, as a, as a holy nation. Um, and yeah, the, and that was Paul in 2 Timothy 3, 16, saying all scripture is breathed by God and it's profitable for teaching and reproof and for straightening and instruction and for righteousness. So that's going to teach us what is right, what is not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. And this is essential for any relationship. We need to know how to do these things, and he has been gracious enough to communicate these things. 
And in the law, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy is like the bookends of the book of Deuteronomy at the beginning and at the end is all grace surrounding the body of what is the law. So the law needs to be understood that this is, you, you, Israel did not deserve to be delivered from Egypt. They, there's nothing that merited their deliverance from Egypt. There's nothing that merited God's revealing himself to them and, and blessing them as he did as a people. There's nothing that they did to earn that, and they never could have done anything to earn that. So understanding that helps us understand um, God's grace um, and understand his sacrifice on the cross and what that means. So it's, it's indispensable. We, we can't live without his law. His law is good. It is right. It is just. It, is, it should be our delight. It should not be a burden. Why would expressing love and having a clear understanding of how to express love, why would that be a burden? And, and you know, I'm, I, that, that's a, that reminds me of a, of a passage where it's just so clear that love for the Lord and love for your fellow believer and, um, and obedience to God's commands are all, they're all woven together. And so to pit relationships against rules or to pit grace against obedience is, is really out of, out of sync with, with Scripture. But it says, this is just from 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. We need to learn to speak like that. You know, if, if, if uh, you know, some of us were writing this today, which, of course, we shouldn't be trying to write scripture today, but if we were, you know, if we, by this we know that we love the children of God, we'd, we'd be tempted to fill it in with some kind of sentimental whatever. But we, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Uh, <laughs> love me, love me by loving God and keeping his commandments. <laughs> love one another by loving God and keeping his commandments. And then verse 3 says, 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. I'll tell you, God's commandments are burdensome to the unredeemed heart. God's commandments are burdensome to the one who doesn't have within him a lively faith. But, uh, but of course, John is, is r referring to the experience in terms of a true believer who has been born again by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is, is within him. He, 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 he actively and has, a, has a vibrant faith in the Lord Jesus. And for such a one, God's commandments are not burdensome. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. The, the hardest part of the law is it's impossible. The hardest part of the law is the love command. Like it, 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 is, it is the most insulated from counterfeit because in order to love the way, so like, you know, you know Jesus says in um, answering the question, uh, uh, what are the greatest of the commandments? He goes to Deuteronomy. He quotes the Shema and he says, you know, hear O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And then he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart 
And then the second is much like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is an impossible, these two commands, and the, the questioner, the, the, the uh, scribe, Pharisee, who questioned him, he agreed. Like, that is, you spoke wisely, teacher. You know, and, and no one wanted to ask him any more questions after that. And they stopped asking him questions. Um, so, like, even the Pharisees of that day understood that this was a true statement, the, like, very credible statement. Um, that love command is impossible without the indwelling spirit. It is one of the inherent, or in, it's an intrinsic quality of the indwelling spirit, this loving God with your whole heart, your mind, your soul, loving him with all your resources. That sounds so easy, but in reality, without the Holy Spirit, it is an impossible thing to do. And loving your brother as yourself, loving your neighbor as yourself, um, uh, not, not just your brother, but loving your neighbor as yourself, loving your enemy and praying for those who persecute you. This is so, uh, it's insulated from counterfeit because it is a unique fruit of the Spirit. So without the fruit of the Spirit, the fulfilling of the law is completely off the table. Like you are not doing this, you can't do this in your flesh and satisfy God. You need to have the indwelling Spirit and then the indwelling spirit animates it. And now we have a path to walk down in growth and maturity. And, and as we grow as, as believers in sanctification. And this is, gives us clear examples of how to walk in sanctification. Um, so it's, it's absolutely essential. And I am reminded of the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 5, where Jesus says to be salt and to be light. Um, let your light shine before men so that they see your good works. What are good works? What could that possibly be? Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come but to complete them. And then in verse 18, for truly I say to you, till the heavens and the earth pass away, not one yod or one tittle shall by no means pass from the Torah, till, from the law, till all is completed. Whoever then breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he, he concludes this, this sermon on the mount in, uh, where, where would we be, Matthew? Uh, uh, at the very end, he says, you be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Yeah, that's at the end of chapter 5. Yeah, Not yeah. The, I mean, the yeah. sermon goes to the end sorry, of chapter yeah, 7. Yeah. And, uh, Be perfect as your, as your father is perfect. Um, that, how, is, how is our father in heaven perfect? If not according to his law. He is the perfect expression of his law. So if we are to be imitators of him, how are we to do that without these loving instructions that are called commands. How, how is that possible? How is it for us to grow into the fullness and the maturity that is Christ without having some clear direction, some clear instructions, and not just instructions, but examples? It needs to be illustrated. We, like, we had a perfect illustration in the perfect man. He lived as a man and fulfilled the law in his own life, demonstrating us perfectly how to love the Father and how to love his neighbor. You know, it, it, it reminds me of uh, uh, something, I'm reminded of something in uh, Daniel Block's uh, book here, uh, 
how I love your Torah, O Lord. And, um, you know, he, he, he talks about how the, um, he talks about how, you know, know, knowing God's will is, is such a privilege. And, uh, and in the course of this, of this chapter, um, he, he actually, he actually refers to and actually quotes from, uh, an ancient pagan prayer in which the one who is praying uh, shows forth his ignorance about the true God. And, and, um, and, and, and Daniel, uh, yeah, Daniel Block commenting on this, on this prayer, he says that the, the, the one who was praying it could not escape the fact that he was faced with three insurmountable problems. First, he did not know which God he had offended. Second, he did not know what the offense was. Third, he did not know what it would take to satisfy the God or gods. That's what it's like to be in darkness, to be in ignorance. Think about the tremendous privilege of you know the true God. You, you know his revealed will for your life. You know how you have violated that will, and you know how you can be reconciled to the true God that you have offended. And then on the other side of that, you can be transformed by his grace so that you begin to walk in accordance with his will. All, all, of, all of this is a tremendous privilege. And if we, if we go around, you know, acting as if, um, you know, God's commands are a burden and we just feel weighed down and put out and inconvenienced, then I would simply say that uh, something is very wrong with our heart if that is our response. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, I really love the salt and light because uh, salt is salt because it's salty. You take the saltiness away, it's no longer salt. Uh, light is light because it's light. You take the light away, it's no longer light. The, the, it's, that is the essence of what makes salt salt. That is the essence of what makes light light. And then he uses this to illustrate this is the essence that we should be looking towards. We should be, uh, the essence of our walk with Christ is that we obey his commands. Mm -hmm. it, there's, where's, there's no discipleship without obedience. There's, like, there's no faith without works. There's, uh, um, there's a number of things like we, we, we have some burden of responsibility. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can't just right. abdicate our responsibility because we would then we would forfeit the essence that makes us salty and light. Let me. It might be helpful. Uh, I just want to, and I'm going to be brief. This could easily uh, turn into um, an entire lesson all in itself. But but I want to. Uh, I want to just mention four functions of 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 the law uh, of 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 God's commandments, and you you could apply these concepts really to God's word as a whole. But but thinking specifically about God's commands, um, um, I, I just want to mention four things. Uh, there's the there's the theological function of God's law in that in that God's law shows us the character of God, what he is like. Mm -hmm. There's also a governmental function uh, 
of the law in that uh, the law, the rules with with penalties attached to them, it has it has a it has a restraining function on uh, on evil. There there is there is there is less evil in the world than there otherwise would be because of good laws, because of God's law, or because uh, uh, when when human laws reflect God's laws, and it's a has a restraining function. Um, the third third function of the law is uh, is an evangelical function, and I don't mean evangelical in the sense of like a a, a sociological category. I, I mean evangelical in the sense that it, how it how it relates to the gospel, the evangel, the gospel, the good news. The law shows us that we need a savior. The law shows us our inability to keep it on our own. You know, Paul says that through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Mm -hmm. And so the law shows us our need to be saved by someone else. I, I, if I, if I, if I could perfectly keep the law of God from the heart, from the moment of conception until the moment of death, I, I, I would be, I would be right with God. And of course, no one does that. Um, but the, the, so the law shows me my sin, the law shows me my need for a savior. The Lord point uh, the, the the law points me to Jesus and to His sacrificial work and to His perfect obedience. Um, so you got the the theological function, the governmental function, the evangelical function, and then finally the transformational mm. uh, function, which is a after after you've actually been redeemed by the Lord and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Um, God intends for his word, all of his word, including his commands, to be a source of delight. You know, the, the, the psalmist delights in the law of the Lord, and uh, the, 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 the law renews our heart, our mind, our affections, and the law directs us in the path of holy living. And you, you just think about Psalm 19, which, uh, which says, um, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And, and so, I mean... It, 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 it God, God's law, God's instruction, his Torah, including his commands, his precepts, they actually are to be a delight to our heart, to, 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 to give us a, a vision of what, of what love looks like practically and how to honor the Lord and how to, how to serve our neighbors in love and how to faithfully represent the Lord. And, and it's just to be satisfying to us, like honey and, 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 and a treasure to us, like gold and, and uh, gratitude for the, the, the warning, gratitude for the warning that would keep us within safe, God's safe boundaries and motivating because there is, there is 
promised reward um, uh, at the end of the journey of discipleship. And so, uh, you know, I, th- I think I think it might be helpful for us just to remember: don't 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 lock into just any one of the functions, but understand all four: the theological, the governmental, the evangelical, and the transformational. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Very good. Well, that's a good place to to stop for episode four. So uh, I, again, we just wanna we wanna thank uh, uh, Mary for submitting her question uh, to be continued in episode five. Uh, Mary, thank you, uh, thank you to you the listener, to you the listener, uh, to Aaron Darrell for the use of his music and for. Uh, Caleb Lynch with his technical uh, work. And uh, just remember, you can, you can submit a question to us at pastorbrian at southparisbaptist.org. Awesome. Yeah. Um, may the Lord's face shine upon you as you go in his grace and peace. Amen. <laughs>